We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Team-by-team reactions to the second preseason game for most teams of the NFL preseason. Coming up next here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Hey everybody, Nick Whalen, Jeff Erickson here. We are breaking down winners and losers from uh, week two of the NFL preseason. Uh, there's a great article on the site. Jerry Donabedian uh, writes it. He wrote it last week as well for the first week, full weekend of games. He did it again here. We got one game still left, Atlanta and the Jets. So we we might actually address those two teams in the course of the things here. But uh, Nick and I are going to kind of go rapid fire with reactions, takes, you name it here. Uh, so send us your questions. Jump in on the comments. Uh, your reactions as well. We'll share them as well. And maybe we'll uh, find out something new along the process here. Nick, let's start off with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, you know, a team that uh, they played the Baltimore Ravens. So thus, we know they lost. That, that was a given. Um, but what do we know about uh, Arizona? What, what what caught your eye about Arizona this week? Yeah, I mean, they ran into that Baltimore preseason buzzsaw. So you could basically just chalk this up as a loss heading in. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't see a ton from the first teamers, you know, I, I think the biggest standout is probably Edo Benjamin was somebody that we're keeping an eye on uh, for that potential number two running back role uh, behind James Conner. But, you know, at quarterback, it was mostly Trace McSorley, who college football fans remember from Penn State, uh, a little bit of right. Jared Guarantano, uh, but no Kyler Murray, of course, and, and really uh, didn't see much from their, you know, their regular pass catchers. So I think the, the really only thing that we're keeping an eye on here uh, preseason wise for the Arizona Cardinals is who's going to emerge as that RB2 behind James Conner. Yeah, Williams barely played. Darrell Williams pretty barely played. He's like, I think I felt like he was getting veteran treatment, though. It wasn't like he was getting yeah. buried so much as he's made the team already. That was, that's the vibe I was feeling. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really lean too heavily on any one back in this game. I, I don't think there are a ton of takeaways. Like, Garitano was their leading rusher on one carry, uh, a scramble yep. late in the game. Uh, you know, Benjamin carried four times, uh, you know, McSorley was the leading carrier with five. So yeah, this, this, this was not a game where I, I think you could get a ton of takeaways, but I mean, Williams versus, you know, Benjamin behind James Conner, obviously if Conner gets hurt, that's going to matter, but it's, it, it's hard to really have any like firm takes on, on Benjamin versus Williams. I mean, from what I'm seeing, like, you know, Benjamin's the guy whose ADP has been rising in recent weeks. So maybe there's some belief there, but I don't, I mean, I, I haven't really found myself overly invested in this battle, to be honest. 
Yeah, I haven't either. I did pick up a share of Eno Benjamin late in uh, the Raz Bowl, which I had perhaps the slowest Raz Bowl draft of all time. But I did get Benjamin late, late, late in that draft to get one extra running back share there just to try out there. So we'll see what happens with that. Atlanta Falcons, they play tonight. Uh, They play against the Jets. Uh, Any Falcons issues to follow? I mean, I I think it's pretty cut and dry. We just got to watch to see if Drake London's healthy. Yeah, I, I think we're we're watching for Drake London first and foremost. I think you know we'll we'll see if Kyle Pitts gets any snaps in the preseason. Doesn't really matter. Right. Uh, we we know what he's about. Yeah, there, there is a battle going on in that receiving core beyond Drake London, uh, who he himself, of course, is extremely unproven as a rookie. And I just I don't know if this is going to be one of those offenses that is is producing more than one like really you know solid week to week viable fantasy receiver. Obviously, we think that's going to be London. Beyond that, it's a pretty unencouraging group of pass catchers uh, other of course than Kyle Pitts um, the, the only other thing I guess is running back right Tyler Algier kind of been a buzzy name um, you know Cordero Patterson was 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 a fantasy hero last season all indications are that they don't really want that to be the case this time around um, you know if you're if, if you're the Falcons there's no real reason to to be you know force feeding the ball to a veteran like Patterson so um, to me I think the most interesting uh, situation to monitor is, is not necessarily Drake London but Damian Williams versus Tyler Algier. Uh, maybe we see some Quadri Allison uh, in, in that battle as well. But I think Algier is probably the, the main guy to watch just to kind of see if he passed the eye test. Yeah. And I've been finding myself kind of cooling my interest in Algier too, a little bit there, but yeah, uh, just, just uh, as an aside, Baltimore Ravens, we talked about the Arizona they faced in Baltimore. They held out their uh, starters, but the big buzzy guy is tight end Isaiah likely. A uh, big day, eight catches, 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they And Mark Andrews even said they expect likely to have a role. Uh, and I'm, you know, I, I got commented upon this that I used all my uh, powers to avoid all the possible puns with Isaiah Lightly. Try to do so here as well. But worthy of a late round flyer to be your t- tight end two in a deeper league, like say the NFFC where we go 20 rounds. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to overreact too much to one preseason game, but I mean, this right. is this is serious stuff. This is eight catches on eight targets for a hundred yards. He had a thirty-plus yarder mixed in there, even found the end zone. Uh, and this is playing with you know Tyler Huntley, who's a, a legit quarterback. Thirteen of fourteen was Huntley. Uh, obviously, he gave the Ravens some pretty good games when Lamar Jackson was hurt last season. So, uh, real takeaways here. You know, I, I I think there's there's a case to be made to to probably move Isaiah likely up over Nick Boyle uh, on the depth chart as that number two tight end. Uh, we'll see how he closes these next couple of weeks before the regular season starts. But, uh, you know, I know our, our guy, Alex Soslowski, brought up, brought up an interesting point that, you know, if likely continues to progress at this rate, I mean, maybe maybe he's the guy that, that kind of takes some pressure off of that very much unproven receiving core. And I, I know Alan said he, he thought, you know, maybe Boyle becomes like the, the number two guy uh, in this offense behind Mark Andrews. I, I don't know if I'd go quite that far, uh, but, you know, I, I think he could maybe be the overall number three if things break right. You know, I think it's probably Mark Andrews one, Rashad Bateman two, uh, and then, you know, Isaiah likely, again, if he continues to progress, it's one good preseason game. We don't want to go yeah. too far. Uh, but, I mean, this is a guy with incredible size, great athleticism. The Ravens love using tight ends. Um, it's completely conceivable that he could thrive alongside Mark Andrews. Yeah, it, it very well could be. Uh, meanwhile, Gus Edwards unlikely to be ready for week one. J.K. Dobbins un- is uncertain. Uh, you know, they, they think he'll be ready, but they're not quite sure. They're not totally confident. Mike Davis is getting a lot of reps uh, right now. Is he someone that in a pinch you could start in week one? 
I wouldn't feel good about starting him. I, I wouldn't feel that bad, though, about rostering him early on. Right. I, I was listening to a podcast with uh, the Ravens writer for The Athletic. I forget his name last week. And, and he just offhandedly mentioned that Gus Edwards might not be back till midseason. And he didn't elaborate on it. You know, it's, it's certainly not uh, set in stone that that's going to be the case. But I, I thought that was interesting. You know, we were kind of yeah. we were kind of earmarking week one as a, a possibility for Edwards. And now now that doesn't look like it's going to be the case. But he essentially said, look, they have a ton of backs. Uh, as long as J.K. Dobbins is healthy, there's no reason to rush someone like Gus Edwards back. So, yeah, I mean, this is an offense that's supported multiple backs in the past. They don't necessarily have that one go to guy. Obviously, they want it to be Dobbins, but he, he's yet to prove himself in that role. So. Right. I mean, in a deeper league, yeah, if you have to start Mike Davis, it's not ideal, but it's, it's not the worst. I think the first like four or five weeks of the season, there's probably some low end fantasy utility for Mike Davis. Yeah, there there probably is. Uh, be very, very difficult to get the you know, pride kick factor kicks in. Oh, I can't usually use Mike Davis, but your guys are going to get hurt or are they going to yep. sink? You might as well at least have a viable option there. Buffalo Bills, they started their starters. Uh, this is a yep. team that you, we did see a bunch of guys get some work. Noteworthy was Zach Moss getting goal line carries just to gum up the works just a little bit more. We, we yep. kind of like, okay, Moss is gone. We don't have to worry about that. Uh, he actually went three for three, as Jerry points out in the article, at the goal line. Ugh, I mean, just what you don't want to see if you're trying to speculate on Devin Singletary or James Cook. Yeah, and th this is a fantastic article by Jerry. Uh, like you mentioned at the top, he does this every week. I mean, it is as deep of a dive and as thorough – as you're going to find. And that, that was one thing that jumped out, you know, as you're scrolling through, he put that in bold lettering Moss with three yeah. for three at the goal line. Yeah. Not ideal. I, I feel like we've been talking a ton about this bills running back situation and it's all been, you know, how James cook hype, essentially it's like, what, what kind of the share uh, can James cook end up stealing from Devin Singletary? I feel like we have barely talked about Zach Moss being a threat. So, you know, maybe we should have been more zeroed in on that, but this seemingly comes out of nowhere. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, it makes you feel a little bit better about Zach Moss, but nobody's really drafting Zach Moss. If anything, it, it just feels like now the the ceiling for those other two guys feels a little bit lower, at least early on. Yeah, uh, if they continue to go like that. I think it's going to be very difficult for them to have three running backs active on game day, though. Um, and that's where, you know, Moss will presumably lose out, but maybe you worry a little bit about the rookie, too. Uh, and the Bills, they messed around with us a lot last year doing this, too. So just keep that in mind. There's a lot of, you know, organizational distrust going on with these guys. Yep. Yep. Very, very true. Uh, in terms of other takeaways for the Bills, yeah, we did see O.J. Howard get in the end zone. Um, and, and, you know, the, the first teamers were out there for Buffalo for a bit, although Dawson Knox, uh, you know, dealing with a personal matter was not active. So probably not too much to read into with O.J. Howard. I mean, Josh Allen looked fantastic. No surprise there. Three for three, yeah. had a long touchdown to Gabe Davis on, on kind of a broken Mahomesy like play. Uh, but, you know, if we needed any any more uh, gasoline to dump on the Gabriel Davis fire, we got it. Yeah, of course we did. Uh, McKenzie was on the field a little bit more than Jamison Crowder, although Crowder, Crowder got some looks too. Uh, I think McKenzie is the three over Crowder. Yeah, I think everybody assumed it was Crowder, and early in camp it felt like that switched, and I, I don't see any reason to believe that it's going the other way. And, you know, this is a really good offense and, and one that that could, you know, potentially support three receivers. So, um, yeah, I mean, not, not a lot of interest right now in Crowder, but McKenzie's one of those guys who, who continues to rise uh, moderately week over week in ADP. Carolina Panthers, let's move on. Baker Mayfield was named the starter today. Uh, 
we I presume that he was the starter. Thus, I am not moving DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson or anybody or Terrace Marshall or anybody else in my uh, my rankings. Uh, it's just status quo as far as I'm concerned. Any other reaction to this news? Not too much. No, I mean, it's it's just been really interesting, I think, to to see where people value DJ Moore. Uh, I, I know right. Alan Soslowski did a, did an NFFC draft this weekend where Moore went at the end of round two. To me, that's that's just a little too high. Um, I, I, I think I like Carolina more with Baker Mayfield than Sam Darnold. It makes them way more interesting, way more watchable to begin the year. Uh, I, I would, I'm kind of neutral on Baker Mayfield. I, I don't love him or, or dislike him, but, you know, I, I'm rooting for him to get his career back on track. It would be a fun narrative. Ultimately, though, I, I just I don't know if it really makes me feel any differently uh, about, you know, those pass catchers or, or even the running back battle behind Christian McCaffrey. Uh, obviously, that's, you know, kind of ancillary uh, to Baker Mayfield. But that's really the only other thing I would have is that right. I really do think we have to we have to keep an eye on Deontay Foreman versus Chuba Hubbard, because if and when Christian McCaffrey is banged up, that's that's going to matter very, very much uh, on the fantasy football landscape. I agree. Uh, my only thing on Baker Mayfield is on, on one breath, we as a community and me personally have said, well, you know, he's playing hurt last year and holding the Browns back. They really, they, you know, they'll be better because they won't have a quarterback dragging him down until they, then we find out, okay, yes, they will have that problem again. But then on the same breath, we're kind of treating him as like an upgrade in Carolina. I mean, I guess it just shows how badly it went for Sam Darnold. Yes, exactly. I, I think it's it, it is an upgrade, and that speaks to just how bad Sam Darnold was for what the final like 12, 13 games of last season after he was the mm -hmm. like the MVP of the league through two weeks. Yeah, yeah, wild. Uh, that Dallas game though, he gave up the pick sixes. I think maybe the I think it was yeah he got sacked a bunch of times, and it was it's a different team after that. He's like he was shell shocked once again. Chicago Bears. We're going from one offensive juggernaut to another here. This was a Cole Komet game. Uh, there's some good news there. You know, the Khalil Herbert news. Now this one's interesting to me. Like he got hurt earlier in the week yet. He plays every drive. I mean, every snap of the first drive at the first team, uh, ahead of Monty. Uh, but, uh, for someone that was hurt, I'm a little confused at this usage here. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And then, you know, they, they held a practice on Sunday and he was limited there. So uh, strange uh, to be sure that, that you're pushing a, a guy who's clearly still banged up uh, to, yep. to be playing uh, through an injury in a preseason game, but uh, it's the Chicago bears. So nothing really surprises me uh, at this point right. with this team. And yeah, I, you know, I was listening to, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah from, from the NFL network and among other things was doing a, a camp tour last week. And he, in so many words, essentially said that he, he, the, the Chicago Bears projected offensive line is like one of the worst he's ever seen. And this is a guy who's a professional scout and is very well respected in that right. field. And he essentially laid it out there as like, I'm legitimately worried for the safety of Justin Fields and other players on this offense because of how bad this offensive line is. So, uh, you know, not that this is breaking news to anybody, but something to monitor. I mean, luckily you have a quarterback who, who can move out in space, but I, I think we're going to see that not because Justin Fields is able to do it, but because he has to do it. Right. I, I, and that means struggles to me too. That makes me angry. Actually. I'm not even a bears fan at all. Uh, but I want, you know, young players to do well when they come into the league, you, you trade up to get them and then you actively tear apart the support system behind them there. I just ugh, hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I, I would say I almost actively root against the bears and I, I like Justin Fields a lot. I mean, I, I hate, I rooted against him at Ohio state. I have a number of reasons to dislike him, but I think he's really good. 
And I just, yeah. we, we might not really know for sure. I don't I mean, they might not even be much better next year. I, they're hesitant to spend. Uh, it's, it's an organization that it, it's just kind of spinning its tires. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, players career trajectory can depend so much on where he gets drafted. And this is, this is a case here. Cincinnati Bengals held out the key guys again. It was Chris Evans. Uh, they also you know, did play. Samaj P. Ryan was even held out. He's clearly the backup. They want to see a little bit of, of Evans. Um, you know, it, you know, it, it's he did have a kick return um, two weeks in a row. Now he's had a kick kick returns, but uh, you know, it, the whole Evans over P. Ryan thing isn't really necessarily going to happen i mean I, I think there's reasons to be enthusiastic about evans but and the fact that i'm spending time talking to chris evans tells you where the Bengals are this this preseason too yeah yeah well th- this is the nice thing about having a really good team where you know the, the depth chart yeah. is pretty much locked in you know you, you start having to like scratch a claw for storylines um and yeah i mean evans is, is coming in red hot here i mean he what did he have like three yards on five carries in that game against the giants yeah so, yeah now, part of, part of that is you know you, you got backup offensive linemen you know you, you're probably not uh, blocking at full right. capacity so it's not necessarily an indictment on him but yeah I think it's going to be Pete Ryan I, I don't think Chris Evans has really done anything uh, to threaten that but yet again I mean this is one of those situations where unless Joe Mixon is is looking at an injury um, probably not anything that's that's super relevant yeah I think the storyline still is probably Burrow's progress I mean the fact that he you know it came yeah. out that it was a a ruptured appendix. It just wasn't, Oh, you need to get this taken out. Like you need this out now. Um, and he's lo- lost a lot of weight. He, he said, he's trying to put back weight on any weight, eating everything and every, anything in front of him. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that, that's enough to give me a little bit of cause uh, to like say, okay, well let, let's check on him next week, but I still think he'll be ready for week one and I haven't moved him down yet, but at least it's enough to be paying attention to the situation a little bit. Yep. Yep. Just got to eat a bunch of food over the next, what, how many days until the start of the regular season, like 20 days. Um, I, I think it'll be fine. I mean, it'll certainly benefit from that extra week, you know, between the end of the preseason and week one. Yep. Uh, Julia asked, what's your opinion of the weakest division this season? Who is the weakest division? Um, well, the AFC South is always going to be in contention for that. Yeah. We'll, that's we'll that where my there. mind went first, both South, yeah. you know, I'd say NFC South also has two weak links also in Carolina, Atlanta. So that that's where I'd go with that. I mean, but you got a clear elite team at the top in Tampa Bay. So, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you could say the NFC North as well. You got two pretty, pretty rough teams in Chicago and Detroit. I, I think it's the yeah. South though. I mean, like, what separates the North, the NFC North and the NFC South is that, like you said, you have green Bay, you have Tampa Bay. Um, you know, the, those teams are clearly better than any team in the AFC South. Yeah, I'd argue Detroit's better than Atlanta and Carolina and Chicago. I think they're, but yep. we'll get to Detroit. So uh, we'll see about that. Uh, Cleveland Browns, they, they played the Eagles. Uh, we saw a lot of Josh Dobbs uh, and spent some time, you know, you know, some, some bandwidth thinking about him this weekend. Uh, they've got uh, David Bell getting a lot of playing time over the weekend. David Bell's kind of interesting. David Bell is really interesting. Yeah, really productive at the college level. Um, you know, a, a guy who I, I think they have real expectations for in year one, despite not having that first round pedigree. He's just a, a little undersized, you know, comes from um, a, a non-traditional football factory school in Purdue. Mm-hmm. Uh, although Rondell Moore and David Bell, you know, in, in consecutive drafts is, is not too bad. Uh, but yeah, this was a, a really interesting game. It was on national TV on Sunday and Josh Dobbs looked amazing in, in this first half. I mean, he was running all over the place. He, you know, he's 
um, you know, much more athletic, I feel like, than I remembered. He was always mobile, but he, he looked, uh, I'll say it, downright fast out there uh, against backups for the most part for that Philadelphia defense. But, um, you know, not, not a ton of takeaways here. Obviously, everything in Cleveland revolves around the Deshaun Watson situation and the quarterback situation. Right. Um, you know, Dearness Johnson had two carries for 21 yards in this game. I mean, if, if it gets to a point that they move Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, maybe he's somebody uh, who, who, who has some interest, you know, had, had some nice runs. Uh, in spot starts last season, but yeah, I think, I think it's that. And I think it's David Bell who had three for 46 uh, on four targets. Yep. He's probably going to be the number three people's Jones will probably be the second. They held yep. him out too, uh, just as a uh, kind of deference to him. Uh, moving on to uh, Dallas. Before we do that though, quick note from our blue wire sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Thank you for your indulgence there. All of our uh, podcasts are on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys. So for the Cowboys, it, you know, the big thing they, it was the return game for them. Uh, that, I mean, it wasn't the starters that did a whole lot. It was special teams. Uh, and I think, I think one was a pick six and one was a kick return. But, you know, that, that was where, you know, it was guys that were not necessarily stars or not even like the, the, the backup guys. Like Rico Dowdle got the start and, you know, he got some work in there. And that was great. Uh, got, scored a touchdown. But, you know. The, the, the sneaky guy, it might be uh, the, uh, and I'm going to pull, you know, I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, it's so sneaky, I forgot his name. I was watching this from the hotel and uh, when I was on my college tour with my daughter this weekend. 
but uh, it was Kevante Turpin. Turpin, thank you, thank you, Kevante Turpin, uh, who was was awesome in the USFL earlier this year too. So um, he he could be a guy that's gained a spot on the roster. That's one of the things that he could be one of those weapons, a, a little plus for the Dallas, you know, kick, uh, defense and special teams. Oh, big time. Big time. Um, I mean, he had, he had a kickoff return and a punt return in the first half That's it. of this game. Uh, and was he was out of his pads by you know, when the team came out for the third quarter. So, you know, he's not officially uh, securing that roster spot, but I think he showed enough that uh, if you're pulling the pads off for the second half, that's a pretty good sign uh, in the second preseason game. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to see Kevante Turpin uh, as, as a, a premier return threat this season. Um, ultimately, probably not somebody you're going to be overly concerned with uh, in fantasy leagues, but uh, but you know, an interesting player to roster as as teams kind of move away from from focusing on generating a ton of value out of kick and punt returns. You know, it just feels like it's yep. not as big of a a part of the game uh, as you know the peak like Dante Hall, uh, Devin Hester days. It's been a while. It feels like since we've had uh, one of those guys. But uh, yeah, that was fun to see. Um, you know, we we didn't see a ton of starters on the offensive side for either team. Josh Palmer, right. three for seventy five and a touchdown and a forty one yarder. Uh, in this game, although I did just read like five minutes ago, uh, he, he was placed in concussion protocol uh, after making a catch at practice. And it looked like he slammed his helmet down uh, on the ground. So maybe he misses some time Uh-oh. in the short term, but pro- probably not anything. Hopefully, you know, that'll keep him out uh, into the regular season. But at this point, would be pretty surprised if he plays in their next preseason game. Yeah, makes sense to me. Uh, Denver Broncos, uh, you know, they, they, the Buffalo is putting up a number on them. Uh, but the other thing was. You know, a lot of people are making a case against Albert O because he played while all their starters rested. Uh, it, it's always trying to, it's always tricky to read the tea leaves in this situation, especially though with young players that don't have much of a history. I'm not necessarily spinning this against him a little bit. No, we had Alan Soslowski talking with him earlier today and how he drafted him in a uh, an NFBC, NFFC league over the weekend. But I don't know how to spin this one. I'm not so negative on him here. I, I'm not just because I, they don't have another option, right? I mean, it's not like a, right. you know, I'm trying to think of a comparison. I don't know, like in, in uh, Tampa Bay, you know, it's like if, you, if you're if you not a, a Cameron Bright believer, you could say, well, they have Kyle Rudolph right there. It's like, if it's not Albert mm-hmm. O, who's it going to be? Because, you know, you have a you have Greg Dolchich, uh, who did not even play in this game. He's still injured. Beyond that, a bunch of guys who are, you know, even more unproven than Albert O is. So I, I think it's going to be him. I, I think you, you could choose to read this as, look, he's a, he's a relatively inexperienced player who they want to get reps because he's going to be a big part of this offense. Um, so, right. yeah, I mean, normally normally it's not great, you know, when you're getting the Antonio Gibson treatment, you're playing, you know, with like the third teamers when everybody else who's first team either didn't suit up or just got one series. But I, I just don't know who else it's going to be. You know, they're, they're going to throw a tight end out there, and I, I think it's going to be him. Right. Uh, I, I think you're probably right about that. Um, and the question is, are, are they going to throw enough to it to support either one of them? Now, if it's a share, it ends up like some of Seattle's teams where like yeah. it, the answer is neither uh, under Russ. So that, that'd be a negative. Uh, the Lions, another team that is kind of benching their starters a lot. Uh, you know, we're, we're looking at number three running back job battles there. And honestly, Craig Reynolds had a game last year. But are we really concerned about that? Not so much. No, no. I mean, we're we're not, we're not even talking Josh Reynolds. We're talking Craig Reynolds. So yeah, that that, that yeah. speaks to uh, the level to which the the Detroit Lions were resting their starters uh, in this game. But uh, good to see him get a win. You know, that'll be good for Hard Knocks tomorrow night. Uh, you know, although a, a, another semi rough effort from from David Blau 
uh, through another pick in this game. But yeah, not, not a ton to keep an eye on. You know, I mean, Justin Jackson, ex-Charger, looked pretty decent in that backfield. But I'm telling you, if, if you watch Hard Knocks at all, it's been very clear they want DeAndre Swift to be the guy. Their they're running, back, running back coach is actually Deuce Staley, uh, which I did not know until yep. watching this. Um, I mean, he, he basically spent half of last episode trying to get it through to DeAndre Swift that, you know, he needs to start kind of uh, viewing himself, I guess, as a star. Interesting. Uh, I, I seen him go a lot, like end of the first round now in drafts. I, mm-hmm. if I get pushed there again, I might actually take him there. What do you think? I, I like him. I like him. At, I mean, I would prefer Joe Mixon who's going slightly later in NFFC drafts. Um, right. I think I would still prefer Kamara. I would probably prefer Aaron Jones. So I, I, I guess maybe I should correct my take and say, I, I don't love it at the current cost. I, I'm more than happy to take him you know, in the mid to late second round. But I mean, he's going like, he's going like pick 13 right now. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with that specific value, but there, like I just said, there are three guys that I would take over. him. Yeah. Swift. So Swift, uh, you have mixing over Swift. How about Swift versus Barkley? There, I think I would take Swift just because I'm such a conservative fantasy player. And I, I just try to stay away from guys like McCaffrey and Barkley. Yeah. Having a hard time, by the way, figuring out what to do with Kamara. Still, I'm probably just going to take yeah. him, but I haven't I I haven't landed him yet, so we'll see about that. Uh, news out of the Packers from the Packers. I mean, they they again they rested starters too, but the big news is that they are getting uh, David Bakhtiari back to practice off the pup list. Yep, Bakhtiari back over the weekend. He practiced again today. Um, you know, a bunch of a bunch of guys who we thought could maybe land on that early season pup list. Uh, did not. We, we even saw Christian Watson back on the practice field Sunday. He was going doing some one-on-one work today against Jair Alexander. So that's a big step. Um, we need to see something out of Christian Watson, you would think, before the regular season. Um, you know, even with the drops, you know, Romeo Dobbs seems to have eclipsed him uh, at least to begin the year. You know, maybe behind the scenes, Christian Watson can can play some catch up. But you know, it's it's just really hard to imagine that Watson is going to build that requisite chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, you know, over the course of like two and a half weeks. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Um, I, but I mean, Dobbs keeps on dropping passes. I mean, that could change in a hurry. I mean, that, that's the other thing. The other thing I have had a hard time figuring out is uh, Robert Tunyon. Uh, I mm-hmm. actually have him in a dynasty league. I held on to him maybe against my better judgment. Maybe I don't have better judgment, but he hasn't been cleared for team drills yet. Um, it's getting late. You know, I, you can't use him in week one. That's for sure. No, no, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the guys who who does miss a couple games to begin the year. I mean, it's been mostly positive for for Green Bay's other injured players, but he does seem to be lagging behind, which is understandable given the timing of that injury. I, I'm still on team team Tunyon, and I can assure you that here in Wisconsin, this is a uh, this is a polarizing topic. I think some people think he he's a little bit overrated. I know he wasn't okay. great, you know, statistically. He was not great before the injury last year, but I mean, you look at his final nine games uh, of two seasons ago. So 2020, the last full year, he was healthy. His final nine games, including the two playoff games against the Rams and the Bucks, 33 catches, seven touchdowns on 35 targets. I mean, that yeah. is, that that's not, it's not elite production, but it's, you know, for, for Green Bay tight end standards, it's pretty close. And yeah, you know, he's, he's maybe on the short list of people that Aaron Rodgers trusts. I think the argument for him is maybe he had a little bit too much touchdown luck. You know, his is yeah. too touchdown dependent is his stat package. But you know, again, we don't we never really got to see the ending of that story, and that that's the thing that makes that tricky yeah. to, to gauge. 
Houston Texans, Damian Pierce is rested as is, as if he were a starter. Um, and, you know, so was Brandon Cooks. Uh, the rest of their starters did start, and it was, it was pretty sloppy. It's pretty ugly uh, against the Rams' second-team defense. All right, it's just Houston Texans football, baby. I mean, it's no, no easy days in the AFC South, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, we saw, <laughs> we saw Davis Mills in this game, 10 of 17, did throw a touchdown, but wasn't super efficient. Um, yeah, not, not, a, not a ton of takeaways here. With, with the Texans, though, it's always tough to it's always tough to parse. Like, you know, you see these random names, and you're like, wait, it is the Texans. Maybe this guy could end up making an impact. Uh, we shouldn't gloss over, though, Nico Collins, four for 48, uh, including yep. a touchdown for the Houston Texans. Another guy uh, who kind of – he's kind of in that same category as, as George Pickens and, and Romeo Dobbs as one of these training camp risers uh, at receiver. Yeah, speaking of guys that are rising, Brevin Jordan, that tight end, is a nice little late option here. Graham Barfield tweeted out that uh, he, that Jordan ran a route in 16 of 17 Davis Mills dropbacks. That's what you want to see from a tight end. Now, he's not being asked to block. He is out there as an, as an option. Now, can he translate that into targets? That's the other thing you got to worry about a little bit there. But, you know, there, there's some positive things out of uh, Jordan, and this is year two for him too. So you expect a big uh, big leap forward usually with tight ends in year two. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a, you know, we, we've talked a number of times about Houston just kind of getting glossed over entirely uh, from a fantasy perspective. You know, it's, it's kind of Brandon Cooks, and then you don't you just don't even think about it after that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the combination of Pierce and Jordan, um, at least one of those guys is, is going to make a major impact this year, if not both. Yeah, that's right. Indianapolis Colts benching most of their starters, although Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce both played in this one here. Uh, they uh, also got a little look at a Kyle Granson who's trying to cut into Mo Ali Cox's playing time at tight end. Uh, not much to, to gather from just like the preseason game, but you know, Alec Pierce, what are your, what are your thoughts on him as a guy that maybe someone that you can contribute with? There's so many interesting rookie wide receivers. We don't spend a whole lot of time on Alec Pierce. No, we, we really don't. And I, I think Paris Campbell is, the more interesting player of the two is the more exciting option. I think the idea of him succeeding is a lot more attractive to talk about. He's the guy that I keep finding myself grabbing like at the end of best balls, but there's really not a ton of evidence to support that he would be the guy over Pierce. Right. And, mm-hmm. and if anything, I, you know, Jerry does a good job of breaking down uh, in his article that, that Pierce, you know, seemed to be playing over Paris Campbell uh, in certain alignments. So I, I think this projects to be a productive enough offense and it's an offense that, doesn't really have a great tight end by any means. You know, you're, you're probably getting an average play out of, at best uh, out of Mo Alley-Cox. Um, so it's an offense that should be able to support, you know, at least one more pass catcher beyond Michael Pittman, if, if not two. Um, so one of those guys uh, is going to emerge. It's just a matter of picking the right one. And I, I think I think ceiling-wise, Paris Campbell has a higher ceiling, but he's also been extremely injured. He's a unique type of player. I, I think Alec Pierce is, is maybe the safer option at this point. He might be. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars played against the Steelers. You may have watched a minute or two of this one here. Oh, yeah. uh, what were your thoughts uh, on your Jaguars? Yeah, I, I, I caught some of this game live, um, but I, I did my, my thorough research on YouTube, which is just, it's the best that you could just go on and watch every snap that Travis Etienne played. You can watch every Trevor Lawrence throw and you can do it all in like six minutes total, which is fantastic the way it's cut up. Etienne looks really good. He looks really good. There was a couple times, um, you know, his, his, the good plays really stand out. I mean, there's also plenty of times where, you know, him and Lawrence are running an RPO and he's just kind of running into the back of a guard and it's, it's a one yard gain, but that's how it goes. 
in the NFL, it's not all going to be explosive plays, you know, that you're kind of used to remembering uh, with him from Clemson. But I think ETN definitely passes the eye test. And I think Trevor Lawrence looks fantastic. You know, there, there are times where he's still, he's still a little robotic for my liking, especially when you see, you know, the plays that like Mahomes and Josh Allen are making in limited snaps this past weekend. I mean, Lawrence is still for as mobile as he is, he tends to be kind of statuesque. You know, he, he always kind of wants to have that solid throwing base, which is a good thing. But you'd like to see a little bit more kind of improvisation, I guess, from Trevor right. Lawrence. But he hit some really, really impressive throws in this game. He was spreading the ball around uh, to, to really all receivers. I mean, Christian Kirk looked good. Zay Jones looked really good uh, in this game. He had one that he just – it was kind of an Aaron Rodgers-like pass to the sideline. Just dropped it right over a defender who looked like he thought he had an easy pick. And it was just a perfectly thrown ball by Trevor nice. Lawrence. So as I've said a number of times, I, I'm not ready to say we're going to see a Joe Burrow year two uh, 2.0 type of ascent from Trevor Lawrence. I just don't think the team around him is all that good, but I remain as convinced as ever that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a very, very good quarterback long-term. Very good. Uh, Kansas city. Ronald Jones might get cut. You know, he didn't play a snap now, granted. And some teams were saying he did play too much. Another team's Ronald Jones. He didn't play a snap, you know, but it's, it's all context because the starters did play Pat Mah- Patrick Mahomes played two drives, you know, Alaire, Edwards Alaire got the start. McKinnon and Pacheco got work. Um, Pacheco, where are you taking him now? Like, I'll, I'll, and I'll just tell you, you give some context. Here, here's where he's going. In the last, over the weekend, 54 drafts in the NFFC, Pacheco's ADP is now 114, but a range of 85 to 160. Gives you a little bit of a range there. Oh, boy. Uh, well, I'm not taking him at 85. I'll tell you that. Um, I mean, in the last week in, in underdog drafts, he's up. 25 spots and he was up big the previous week too so you know part of that is he just started in the basement so no matter what there's right. going to be a pretty pretty meteoric rise but i don't know man i mean it, it's 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 a situation where it feels like he can't really he can't really become the starter right i mean unless ceh gets hurt or just really underwhelms um and you'd also need the combination of pacheco playing super well like there's also Jarek mckinnon there like you said ronald jones right. is technically in the mix although doesn't seem like that might be the case in another week or two. Uh, I don't know. I, I think he's one of those guys that I, I was really comfortable taking with like one of my final three picks in drafts over the last couple of weeks. But I right. think the hype may have just gone a little bit overboard. I mean, did you see that clip from the preseason game against the commanders where, I mean, it's just one play and he's a rookie, so it's not that big of a deal, but he, you know, there was kind of an RPO type of handoff from the backfield and you can see, I mean, he had a lane um, and, you know, where he, could have potentially gotten the end zone was going to be at least an eight to 10 yard gain. And he just completely missed it, ran into the line and had a gain of one or two. And you can see Mahomes looks over at the sideline and goes, if he look basically saying, if he runs it that way, that's probably a touchdown. So uh, a little right. bit of frustration there, still some growing pains with Pacheco. Um, I, I think for me, he's probably reached the ceiling uh, of where I'd be comfortable taking him at this point. I, I think, I think the it's kind of grown into one of those, like the idea of this is so tantalizing, but at the end of the day, I mean, like, it's not like he's coming off of a game where he had like seven carries for 90 yards here. I mean, it, it was a pretty, pretty uninspiring effort. Four carries, eight yards, long of six. Pierce uh, or Pacheco? Commands. Pierce. Pierce, for sure. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, all right, let's move on to the Vegas Raiders. They just traded away a backup quarterback. Uh, he went to the Vikings. Uh, they rested starters. They rested Josh Jacobs again. Zamir White got a start. You know, this, the maybe the Jacobs playing the Hall of Fame game is being overblown a little bit now. Yeah, I, I think it might have been 
Uh, very good sign that he's being rested here. This is this is exactly what you want to see uh, if you're a Josh Jacobs manager. Um, now the, the Zamir White hype train maybe uh, maybe has hit a bit of a snag here. Five carries, eight yards for Zamir White. Although he did get in the end zone in this game. Um, you know, if nothing else, Zamir White looks like he's pretty much locked in as that number two. I know Jerry mentions you know that Kenyon Drake who has been productive, kind of a, a pretty high end fill in guy in years past. Uh, I know Jerry notes that he he thinks Kenny and Drake might end up not making this roster. Yeah, that's a, it's certainly possible. Uh, the Chargers, we're talking about backup running backs. Isaiah Spiller left with an ankle injury. That was you mentioned the uh, Palmer issue today, but Spiller mm-hmm. is another guy that was kind of losing ground anyhow to Joshua Kelly. This can't be good. You know, his stock has dropped a little bit recently. Yep, yep, his stock is is on the decline, and the injury certainly will not help. I, I mean. Josh Kelly, if you, if you want a, you know, just kind of a backup plan for, for if Austin Eckler goes down, don't mind that. Uh, but, but really, I, I think the, the Josh Palmer emergence uh, is going to be really interesting here because I, you do wonder what his ceiling is. Like everybody likes Josh Palmer. Everybody's pegging him as this breakout. I mean, the, the Chargers are a team that feels like they could have a breakout at, at every position. But when you have Keenan Allen and you have Mike Williams ahead of you, like what, what defines a successful breakout? for Josh Palmer. Right. If, if those guys stay healthy, it just feels like there's, there's going to be a ceiling on what he could do. Yeah. I've been running into that problem as well. Um, it would almost entail like Keenan Allen slipping in terms of number of targets, you know, and that, yeah. or getting hurt a little bit more often, like he did towards the end of the season last year. Yeah. Which, which is very possible. I mean, if, if he's right. a super high end insurance policy for those two guys, you know, you're doing really well. Yeah. And to be clear, Keenan Allen is not hurt right now. Uh, Rams bench their starters as they always do in the preseason. Some intrigue in the running back camp. Cam Akers versus uh, Darrell Henderson, both also dealing with minor injuries and held out of the preseason game. Any interest in Kyron Williams on Notre Dame? Yeah, I, I mean, the Akers versus Henderson debate, you know, we've, we've had a, a couple times already of like, you know, the, I, again, the idea of Cam Akers seems really great, but I, I didn't think he looked, you know, really like himself, which is understandable at the end of last year coming off the torn Achilles. Um, it, you know, I, I've kind of said all along, like I, I, I Cam Akers is probably going to be the guy, but by how much, you know, what does that split look like? And the difference in AP between those two guys is just way too wide. And I, I think it starts with Akers being a little too high. I'd agree. I'd agree with both ends of that, by the way. I also agree Henderson's probably a little too low. Uh, before I move on to the Dolphins, quick note from Dynasty Owner. Do you love fantasy sports? Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is a new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries, adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a dynasty of champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com and use promo code ROTO5. That's R-O-T-O-5 to get receive five dollars off any new team jeff erickson here with nick whalen we're going team by team giving your hot takes uh mike kasicki played uh you know he's another guy that played too much but he's also struggling to learn the offense and he even says it's like i'm learning a new position there's been a, plenty of bad news when it comes to mike kasicki so far this this cycle yeah yeah there has and you know you, you just kind of wonder what that adjustment processes like uh you know going from from brian flores now to to mike mcdaniel and you know obviously mike mcdaniel is used to having a certain type of tight end uh with the 49ers mm-hmm. and, and gasecki is, is certainly not um you know he's, he's not george kittle so I, I don't know if they're trying to kind of right 
turn him into that type or, or what that might be. But, you know, much like what we talked about with, with Albert O in Denver is like, I just don't know that they have another great option behind him. You know, it'd, it'd be one thing if there was, you know, some like, you know, a, I don't know, like a second round rookie who they had behind Gusecki just waiting to take his job. But it's kind of a, you know, you have Durham Smythe, Hunter Long, somebody named Seathan or Keithan Carter. Like, I don't know. None of these names really that stand out. That would be out former Bengal great Seathan Carter, by the way. Seathan? I think I, it I've is never Seathen. heard of anyone named Seathan. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be, right? I, I don't know. He did play three seasons in Cincinnati. I was not aware of that. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you again, but I couldn't couldn't wait to get that. Oh, that's all right. Ethan Carter. But yeah. Um, yeah, so point is with Gasecki, I, I am limiting my future exposure to him. I, I got him in a couple of early leagues. He's dropped out of my 150. He's dropped out of the 150 and ADP. He's got a range of like 100 picks over the last week. So he... There's even one league out of 54 that where he went undrafted. So it's kind of kind of happening that he's dropping a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know. We, we need to figure out, I guess, what they're, what exactly they're trying to do. I, I know Jerry kind of speculated that, you know, with, with Gusecki, they're, they're, they want him to be more of an edge setter type of type of blocker. And maybe that's not his bag, but um yeah, I mean, probably a player that I think for at least until there's more news on this front, we probably back off of, uh, at least I will, for, for the rest of draft season. Yep. Um, Minnesota Vikings. K.J. Osborne, his, his ADP is 155, and I'm here for it, Nick. I, I actually think that this is a, a pretty decent price to pay for a guy that's making some pretty good strides. I think he had seven touchdowns last year. Um I got him in late rounds of the beach of Erickson a couple of weeks ago. I think Minnesota can support that third wide receiver so that in bye weeks you can use Osborne. I think maybe he cuts into a little bit of uh, Adam Thielen's targets at target share at some yep. point. I, I like Osborne is my takeaway. Adam Thielen turns 32 today. So, I mean, it's, it's official now. It's no longer soon to be 32 year old Adam Thielen. And that's a big part of this, right? I mean, I, I think, like you said, there are some weeks where I think that offense can support three receivers and some weeks where maybe he'll almost function as that number two next to Jefferson. But I, I think the real appeal is, look, Adam Thielen got hurt last year. He's moving into his mid-30s. If he misses, you know, four to eight games, that's going to be a really, really valuable stretch to have K.J. Osborne uh, on your team. So I'm all, I'm all in. I mean, it's actually interesting if you look at his, his current ADP and NFFC it's Isaiah McKenzie and then KJ Osborne right next to each other. Two guys that are in very similar situations as like right. the clear third guy, but the clear third guy in a, in a really productive offense. Yeah, that's true. Uh, question is Irv Smith back at practice. Uh, I will double check on that. I, I thought that he was making progress, but not quite back yet. It was the last I saw of Irv He's Smith. closing in on a return to practice as of Saturday. Closing in. I love that phrase. Closing in. Yeah. Yep. Uh, at least, you know, it's a thumb. It's not like a muscle pull. It's not like one of those, you know, yes, there are, can be, there are potential setbacks even with the thumb injury, both blocking and receiving. But I, I like that type of injury than say like the concussion or groin pulls or something of that nature. Uh, so our, our groin pulls, hamstring pulls, certainly better than a knee injury, which he's suffered before in the past. Let's move on to the new England Patriots. Uh, you know, they struggled. Mac, Mac Jones struggled a little bit. There was some talk initially, too, about who was calling the plays and all that. Uh, you know, it, there was 
they're still trying to figure this out. Matt Patricia is like now back to being is back with the Pats, uh, and he was calling plays on uh, I think it was Friday night's uh, preseason game. So, um, some 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 question marks about that. We're seeing some buzz about Ty Montgomery being getting some positive run. Eh, I don't know. I mean, the last thing I need to see is a third Pats running back to muck up the picture a little bit. Yeah, and especially if that third running back is Ty Montgomery, who you know he's a known commodity at this point. There's yeah. not. Not a ton of upside there. Uh, he, he did get in the end zone in this game. I wouldn't read you know too much into that. But like you said, it was it was a struggle early on in this game for New England. I mean, three and out yeah. on the first two drives. Uh, we, we saw Damian Harris uh, get the get the first drive, and then Ramondre Stevenson get the second drive. Neither guy really did anything of note. Um, so kind of a kind of a no change situation in, right. in that debate after this game. Right. New Orleans Saints, Michael Thomas dealing with a hamstring injury. You know, he's getting all this helium, and now he's got this. He's missed two practices in a row, including one on Monday today. Uh, so, you know, all that positive mo- energy, that momentum, uh, you got to kind of quell that a little bit. Yep, yep, a little bit. I mean, you, you worry about, uh, obviously, it'd be a lot more concerning, I guess, if it was a, a foot or an ankle. But uh, still, you know, something to monitor. And at any time Michael Thomas is injured, especially if it's a leg injury of any sort, uh, but, you know, even if it's, uh, I don't know, a wrist injury, whatever, whatever you want to say, like it's going to be it's going to be a headline with him uh, no matter what. So something to monitor there. Um, Chris Olave, your guy getting My in the guy. end zone. Uh, Jerry, Jerry does a good job of noting that, you know, he very easily could have had another touchdown if anybody other than Ian Book was that quarterback in this game. Um, you know, we, we've spent quite a bit of time you know, on this pod and, and on the XM show, you know, kind of breaking down this this rookie wide receiver class and. Even if you don't think Olave is the the most you know talented of all these guys or has the highest long term upside, I, I think we've we've kind of come to an agreement that he's at least in the best situation to succeed right away. Indeed, um, yeah. Give me more Olave. I'll keep taking him. No problem about that. Uh, let's move on to the Giants. Uh, they rested uh, Barkley. Kadarius Tony is still out with a leg injury. Kenny Galladay played a bunch and didn't have a target. You know if. There is more reason to be out on Galladay. Uh, you know, there it is for you. I mean, if you needed that. Um, good, easy, I mean, saying that I'm out on Kenny Galladay is saying, like, I'm out on drinking Tab Cola. I mean, it, yeah, it, okay, fine. I mean, it's not going to – it's not really a likely thing to happen anyhow. Uh, I, I, if I, I What is Tab Cola? Don't you don't know. know okay, is. Tab was this diet drink. It was in a pink can. Um, it was like the precursor to – it was there before Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi. It was just – Okay. Oh, it – yeah, basically, yeah, I, I, I was purposely anachronistic, anachronistic there, but uh, the whole point was, yeah, I'm not going to be getting any Kenny Galladay there, but it's not really a bold stance to say so. Uh, going back to our uh, Chris Olave conversation, Chris Olave or Sky Moore in PPR, I'm all Team Olave on this one here. I like Sky Moore, but I, I'm, I'm all about Olave on this one. Yeah, totally reasonable to believe that there's upside with Sky Moore. I think just being in that Kansas City offense is super tantalizing, and it's it's easy to to want to just have a piece of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think Olave is the safer answer. You know, even though you're, yeah. you're looking at a downgrade at quarterback, um, I, you know, with Sky Moore, it's one of those guys. Like, I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to be wrong in year one, and and you know, reinvest next year if I have to. Um, right. One, one other note on the Giants here kind of a like a three-man air raid in this game between Daniel Jones, Davis Webb, and Tyrod Taylor, 43 of 54 combined. 
for 356 yards. Um, you know, Davis Webb especially looked really good. He was 22 of 27. But even Daniel Jones, 14 of 16 for 116, did have a pick, but uh, an efficient day yeah. overall against mostly backups for Cincinnati. Right, exactly. And maybe there's some hope for Daniel Jones. I mean, his good games, he's been fantasy viable. I mean, again, that seems like a truism, but not yeah. necessarily. I mean, the fact is he's had those good games. He's mobile. So I, I still remember the rushing touchdown that wasn't against the Eagles where he tripped over the yard line. But the point is he, he actually did get out in the open field in the first place there uh, and has that ability. Yeah. Uh, Eagles, speaking of the Eagles, they, they bench most of their starters again. No Miles Sanders, although he's dealing with a hamstring injury. And it just seems like there's a lot of things with Miles Sanders. I did downgrade him going into this past week also. It's kind of like in the Antonio Gibson camp for me. I've yep. gotten my exposure to him. I don't really want a whole lot more. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he he's a guy that I, I, I wouldn't say I found myself targeting, but I'm, I'm okay with landing him just under the belief that there's no way he's not going to get in the end zone for a second straight year. But yeah, it feels like you know combination of, of Miles Sanders not really – doing anything noteworthy. And, and now this injury uh, plus Kenneth Gainwell looking pretty good. I mean, we we're able to watch yeah. this game on TV yesterday, 11 for 46 and a touchdown. Uh, this offense looked pretty solid, uh, you know, under Gardner Minshew who's one of the best backups in the entire league. So even though, uh, you know, we didn't get a look at a lot of the ones for Philly, uh, still a fun game to watch. I mean, Gardner Minshew can, can absolutely move the ball. Uh, we did see Jalen Rager uh, out there in this game, which is, not a great sign for where Jalen Rager uh, kind of falls in the hierarchy of right. receivers right now. I think that's almost hundred percent a showcase for trade situation here. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Quez Watkins did play as well. Uh, we didn't see Brown or, or Smith, which those guys, we know they're the one, and the two, but right. Rager versus Watkins versus Pascal, all three of those guys played in this game. So, you know, it, it, I, I do think Rager could, could very well be traded, but, um, you know, it'd be one thing if he was the only one of those three who was out there. Yeah, exactly. I do have a trade question uh, involving an Eagle. So Patrick Sharp asks this sending Dalvin cook and Devonte Smith for Cooper cup. Would you do this? What say you Dalvin cook and Devonte Smith for Cooper cup. Um, I mean, are we, are we just assuming it's just for one year? Don't know. Man. Um, yeah, obviously it depends on, on the roster, but I, that's that's a, that's a really even trade. That's what I would say. I don't. Know, I wouldn't feel terrible about either side of that. I mean, I I I guess I think I get. I guess I'd rather have Cup, uh, but I also am, am on the record as being a huge Dalvin Cook guy. So um, yeah, I, I think Cook plus Devontae Smith is is a really really even return. That that would be my take. Yeah, I mean, I he already has Mixon and Dobbins, but you don't know what you have in oh. Dobbins right now. Um, yeah, and presumably yeah, you have a. Old- yeah, presumably you have a flex spot too. So I'd say yeah. no. that's a no for me. I, yeah. I think yeah, I given those running backs, spot. I think that's fair. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's talk Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, St- Steelers actually played their starters uh, against the, the Jaguars. They, you know, they want to put some respect on that preseason matchup. There, yeah, they, so they had to play that. their starters. They had, they had to get a win. Of course, of course. Kenny Pickett looked really good. Had a, a really good yeah. two minute drill. Uh, six to seven for 76 yards and a TD Mason Rudolph played the second half, but you know, you know, Mike Tomlin keeps on asserting that it's, you know, definitely going to be Mitch Trubisky starting, but Pickett's giving some cause for pause. You know, he actually had a pretty bad first two weeks of training camp, but he's had two good preseason games now. Yeah. I mean, of all the rookie quarterbacks, he's been by far the best. 
so far. And I, yeah. I went from I went from like three weeks ago thinking that he might not play like a single meaningful snap this season to believing at some point he's going to start games for them. And, you know, it might be because Mr. Trubisky is doing things like he did in this game where he's running around all over the place and just blindly mm-hmm. chucking the ball up. Uh, lucky that it was not intercepted very easily could have been uh, by the second Jags defense, but yeah, I mean, he just looks really solid. He looks at worst, you know, it kind of seems like he could at least go in and, and game manage and, you know, get the reps that you need to eventually become a full-time starter. And I think more than anything, it's just about how uninspiring the other options are, right? I, I think they're going to give Trubisky his chance. We'll see how it goes. The Steelers seem to have no interest in ever handing the, the reins over to Mason Rudolph. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Like if, if Trubisky struggles early on, you know, let's say they're, let's say they're like, I don't know, one and four to begin the year and Trubisky looks like Trubisky, you know, would they go to Rudolph? Would they even give him a chance or did they potentially go right to Pickett? Yeah. Um, it could be uh, Pickett to Pickens right away. Uh, yeah. and, and Pickens got more snaps than uh, Claypool did, uh, which was interesting to see, especially because the starters were all out there. And what, you know, George Pickens was getting more first half, first team snaps and chase Claypool was. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I read this morning, you know, that it kind of seems like they're going to use, they're going to use all three, of course, and it's going to be, you know, Johnson and Pickens on the end. Uh, and then chase Claypool is kind of this big slot uh, receiver, which uh, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't read too much into like the, you know, the snap counts or anything like that uh, in, in a yeah. preseason game. I, I think, I think they have a, they have a pretty Fair. clear top three here. And, you know, I mean, is it, is it, are you more saying like, maybe, maybe there's a chance that Pickens kind of, you know, uh, usurps Chase Claypool and, and becomes that that number two guy. Yes, I do think that's a possibility. So, well, as somebody who has a lot of Claypool, that that would not be ideal. But I mean, the way he's rising, right. it, it's 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 definitely possible. Yeah, I think so too. I, I you know, I, it's interesting checking out the ADP on both. Uh, Pickens is at one fifteen now. Claypool is at one hundred eight. So that gap has narrowed quite a bit. Yeah, big time. That that's yeah, that's a little concerning. Um, I mean, my. My number one concern is still the quarterback position for this team. Although, and I mean, they only put up 16 points in this game, but um, you know, in, in both games, all three guys have shown like varying levels of competence. Like it, it I, I don't know if like I favor any of the three over the other, uh, but they've all looked at least okay. So like, I, I'm starting to come around that this offense might, you know, might not be a total disaster. And, you know, even though Ben Roethlisberger is obviously way better than any of these guys, uh, what he looked like at the end of his career is probably not all that different uh, than, than what these guys are going to be bringing to the table. Yeah, correct. Um, let's keep on moving and let's hit up uh, the San Francisco 49ers. So Eli Mitchell's been out with a soft tissue injury. Um, you know, he hasn't, he's been banged up a lot. Jeff Wilson, you know, was held out as well. He's probably the backup, but you know, can we see anything out of, do you see anything out like Trey Sermon or TDP or hasty? They get you interested in maybe one of them. Not, not a ton. I mean, Davis price is, is a little bit, uh, a little bit intriguing, but it, it, it seems to me like they're in preservation mode with their top two guys uh, in Mitchell and Wilson. And, you know, Trey Sermon certainly has the pedigree uh, coming from college, but didn't do a whole lot in this game at five carries for eight yards. Uh, the longest of which went for three yards. So basically was getting stacked up every single time he touched the ball. Um, but, you know, the 49ers are one of those teams. It's, it's kind of hard to to get much of a read on them in the preseason. You know, we did see Trey Lance uh, in the opener uh, against Green Bay, but it was Brock Purdy and Nate Sudfeld in this one. Yeah, indeed. Uh, let's move on to Seattle. 
Uh, Drew Locke was going to get a chance to start this one, but he came down with COVID, couldn't play. I guess he's close to returning back to practice. So some good news on his health. But, you know, the, the presumed starter is Geno Smith in this one here. Uh, yeah. We'll see. Locke is going to play a lot in Friday's preseason finale against the Cowboys. That was our latest note on that. Yeah, I think they're turning him loose. I mean, they they wanted that to be the case in this game against Chicago. It was not. Um, Seattle looked looked absolutely terrible to open this game. And, you know, a lot of starters are sitting. But I think the Bears were up like 17 to nothing at one point. They had a defensive touchdown, uh, just kind of a sloppy game for the Seattle Seahawks. But, yeah, I mean, no matter what, even, even on days where you hear that, you know, Drew Locke looks better than Geno Smith, it, it does feel like uh, Pete Carroll, despite, you know, kind of signing off on the trade for Drew Locke, uh, doesn't really seem all that interested in, in Drew Locke beating out Geno Smith. Uh, I, I don't no. know if Geno's just a, a Pete Carroll guy or, or what it is, but uh, they seem kind of dead set no matter what on, on at least giving Geno Smith the first crack at this job. Yeah, I think so too. Um, maybe it's just the, the incumbent, the devil they know, uh, as opposed to Locke, who's a little bit more of a uh, unknown to them. Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, Tom Brady is back at practice today after – a lot of wild speculation over the weekend. My favorite story is one that you shared with me earlier uh, on this one there. What, 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 what's the wildest theory you've heard with Tom Brady's absence? Well, th- it's really the only wild theory that I've heard. Uh, I'll have to maybe do more searching to see if there are others out there. But, uh, you know, the theory is that he was, was uh, auditioning for The Masked Singer or participating in The Masked Singer. Uh, the idea, of course, is that he would have agreed to this while he was retired or you know, long ago, basically. And it was something that either uh, due to a contract or due to the amount of money that he'd likely be receiving uh, that he did not want to miss. And of course, uh, if you're, if you're familiar with even the basics of the show, uh, which I've never watched for the record, I want to, I want to get that out there. I have not watched the mass singer, but I know how it works and you need, you know, you need to keep some like level of anonymity. You can't say, Hey, I was on the mass singer because that ruins the whole show. Um, so you can see where, you know, you can connect the dots here. Uh, you need to be a way to film this. Of course, they do not film in Tampa, Florida. Um, so we'll see. I mean, we, we may not really get a full answer to this until if it is the case <laughs> until that episode airs, which I don't even know when that would be. Um, and again, no idea if this is true or not. Chances are it's not, but it's a, it's an interesting theory because, you know, Brady and Bowles and the Bucks have kind of deflected every other possibility, you know? Yep. And count Honestly, I'm, you know, you got a brand new offensive line. You got a couple new receivers. I know he's Tom Brady. He doesn't necessarily need practice, but yeah. you need timing with your teammates. So I don't know. I, I, if that, if that's really what was happening, I'd, I'd have a problem with it. If it yeah. Know, well, it's yeah. also like very un-Brady, right? I mean, he's not, yeah. he's not somebody who's, he's like notorious for not doing things like this and notorious for, you know, staying late after practice and working with young right. guys. Like it, yeah, that, that to me is, that's maybe like the biggest mark against that theory is like, Tom Brady just doesn't seem like he'd be interested in doing that. No, no, uh, it, it, it's very odd. Tennessee, uh, they played some of their probable starters, including Austin uh, Hooper, uh, Nick Westbrook, Akini. Uh, they played a lot of Traylon Burks uh, with starters and with subs, both. Yeah, he, he started the game and then also played deep into the second half and just didn't really do a whole lot. One catch for four yards on three targets, similar result to what we saw in the preseason opener. Uh, and with Burks, we, we might just have to kind of go in blind on this one. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I think I only have him in one league so far. It, he's, he's certainly not a – it's not like an overly inspiring investment to make right now. I mean, he's a really fun right. player. If you watched him last year 
at Arkansas, there's like a ton to love. I mean, I, you talk about somebody who has, um, you know, a, a little bit of that Debo Samuel in him, like in terms of just how big and physical he can be after the catch. Uh, there's a lot to like, but yeah, just, we just haven't really seen anything definitive yet. And if you're taking him at cost, you know, you, you're got to be willing to go in blind, but as we've talked about a number of times, Jeff, this is a team that, you know, is still working Robert Woods back from injury and beyond Woods and Burks, you know, it's Westbrook Akina and then it's a bunch of no names. Um, and even right. at tight end, you know, it's like Austin Duper's fine, but he's not Mark Andrews. He's not Travis Kelsey. He's not Dalton Schultz. He's not Kyle Pitts. So, um, you know, there, there's, there, in theory, at least there should be opportunities here. Indeed. Indeed, there should be. Uh, let's finish up with the Washington Commanders and finishing up with a team that has had a lot of ink spilled lately in the fantasy community. Yeah, it's going to be a strong finish. I think this is the team that maybe has like the most notes uh, to run through of, of any team. And it, of course, it, it centers around the running back position. That's been a battle uh, really since the start of camp. It feels like uh, Antonio Gibson is going to be buying his own tickets to games this season. Uh, we're still mm-hmm. not really sure, you know, where, where J.D. McKissick fits in here. But Brian Robinson, I mean, he's the guy who, whose ADP uh, is up 28 spots over the last week in underdog drafts. And uh, a lot to like about how he looked in their preseason game against the Chiefs. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the fact that he seems to have the momentum right now. And maybe that'll change again. Who knows before opening day? Uh, but uh, Brian Robinson, I, I think, is is the guy to own, at least at this point. Yeah. And this is why, by the way, this is why you do drafts early, because you could have gotten Brian Robinson, you know, pick like 180 earlier in draft yep. season. Now, in the last weekend, it's at 117. Uh, no, still quite a, a pretty wide range, but cost of doing uh, business has gone up in the Brian Robinson business. Uh, and meanwhile, what goes up must go come down, obviously. Antonio Gibson, on the other hand, his stock keeps continuing collapsing. He was returning kicks. Although, I will say, when J.D. McKissick out, Gibson caught three passes on four targets and looked pretty good doing that. And proof that, oh, yeah, he caught a lot of passes at Memphis. Remember, this is a team yeah. that had a lot of pass-catching running backs at one point in time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he has a history at that position, um, you know, doing that kind of work. So I, I, I almost like him more if that's if that's like the focus, right? Is you know, if he if you're not trying to make him this traditional running back who also catches balls, like if he kind of becomes uh, maybe the specialist in that role, maybe that's best for him. Maybe that's what's best yeah. for for this entire running back group. Um, we saw just a a, a real uh, just hodgepodge of of tight ends on the field for the Commanders in this one. They have like six tight ends that are injured right now. A couple guys on IR, uh, although Logan Thomas was just activated from the pup list on Monday. So good sign for him. Right. I mean, as far as our purposes go, you know, Thomas is the only tight end you need to know in, uh, in the, the nation's capital. Antonio Gibson or Damian Pierce, one faller, one riser. They meet together. Their ADPs are right next to each other right now. Mm-hmm. Who do you have? I- I feel like it's a trick question, but it, you got to go Pierce, right? I mean, one guy's ADP has climbed to this spot. The other guy's has fallen to this spot. Um, yep. I, I it, like, I mean, what, what is even the case at this point, you know, for Antonio Gibson over Pierce, it, it's been all negative for him. So right. for me, it, it's, it's gotta be Pierce. I will say that I would allow neither or, you know, as also yeah, an fair. answer, at least at that price, uh, 83 and 84 respectively is their, uh, their respective uh, costs there and ADP in the NFFC over the last week. Or, or so 54 drafts. So any other commander's notes before we uh, sign off today? No, not too much. I mean, we, we saw Terry McLaurin on the field to begin this one. Um, you know, we, we yeah. saw 
Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. So they, they had their full complement of receivers out there, even though the tight end position was, was kind of a disaster, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a wait and see for sure. Just to, it's going to depend on Carson Wentz. And um, you know, as, as we've, we've harped on a number of times, like as, as much as he's extremely shaky week to week and probably not the guy that you want leading the team that you root for, uh, you know, still some, some higher upside, I think statistically for Carson Wentz. Uh, compared to some of the other guys who we'd put in that same category at quarterback. Right. I mean, at this point, he's probably, what, a bottom – is he a bottom eight starter in the league right now? I, I think that's probably fair. I mean, a lot of those guys, are, I think, are, are considerably worse than Carson Wentz, and his reputation has taken such a massive hit. But at the end of the day, this was a guy who still had 27 touchdowns and seven picks last season. Yeah. QB 27 right now in the NFFC. He's behind Davis Mills, Even which, lower. by the way, I support – it's behind yeah. Watson. That'll change, I, I'm guessing. Behind yep. Tannehill. And Tannehill lost A.J. Brown. And, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Gets... Wentz versus Tannehill is interesting. I, I almost might lean yeah. Wentz at this point. Better I receivers. Too. I might, too. Wentz versus Jared Goff is actually kind of interesting, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a, a, a reasonable separation there. I mean, almost two rounds in, in underdog I think people just don't like Carson Wentz. And that's a big part of this is just like, sure. I, there's just a lot of like, I think everybody feels how Jim Irsay feels about Carson Wentz. And it's just like, yeah. just you know, ah, people bought get, in on him last year. Yeah. It's just like, get, get this guy out of here, man. Um, exactly. But yeah, I, I think realistically he's, he's right in that same category. You know, he shouldn't be going 20 to 30 picks later than Jared Goff. No, no one shouldn't. It's a sign. But, all right. That's going to wrap up today's podcast. Catch uh, Jake and Joe tomorrow uh, as they continue their draft strategy chats. Uh, they, they've been doing, they've been rocking it lately. Last week they did Joe's in FF, NFFC draft. So tune in for that. We also, we got the stake league tomorrow and we, Nick, we're going to get you back in that, but uh, we'll have stake league results later in the week. So looking forward um, to seeing those results. I do need to, I very much need to get back in there. I, I got to start beating yes, down do. Peter Shanky's door on that one. All right. Well, I'll nag at P2. Maybe, we, maybe we'll get, uh, you know, we'll see if someone else, if there's a late drop, we'll get you on call. Otherwise, next year for that. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for all the comments in the forum. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for listening. Take care.